Hi, folks. Steve Urban here. Today's episode of the RouterFlex podcast is sponsored by Marketing 360. My good friend J.B. Kellogg and his team do such a fantastic job for us and so many other companies. Marketing 360 is the number one platform for small business, and it's everything you need to grow your business. If you need marketing support, I really encourage you to contact them at marketing360.com slash writerflex, and we'll add that link to the description of this episode for easy reference. And on today's episode of the RiderFlex podcast, we have guest Johnny Ayers. He's the co-founder of Secure, a leader in high assurance digital identity verification. Can you just tell the listeners a little bit about you? We just want to know about Johnny. Um, walk us through maybe a little family stuff where you grew up, maybe some things about your family, and then kind of walk us into Boston College. Can you give us an overview? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I grew up in Northern Virginia, uh, outside of Washington, D.C. Okay. Um, so if you have any listeners uh, from the, the Nova area, uh, probably kick some butt against them in sports growing up. Uh, <laughs> played, uh, yeah, played, 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 you know, soccer, basketball, baseball, football, tennis uh, for, for much of my childhood was one of those, uh, you know, suburban families where both the brother and sister played you know, three, three or four sports for our entire life. You guys are busy. Um, you guys are busy. So how many, so you had, you had, so there's three siblings all together? Uh, two of us, my, my uh, sister oh, and I, okay. uh, but, but both of us played, you know, three or four sports our entire life, all the way through high school, both played sports in college. Uh, so a lot of, uh, you know, you go in the car with dad to this, you go in the car with mom to this and, you know, we'll see you at home for dinner. Were your parents uh, at, were your parents athletes too? Uh, they were, my, my, my dad played, played, uh, played quarterback at West Point, uh, and, uh, my mom, nice. my mom actually, uh, uh, was a synchronized swimmer. Uh, wow. wow. She also, like while she was, while she was in college, she was a ski instructor. Um, so just, yeah, very, very active fit, uh, uh, athletic parents. Wow. I'm having a visual about your dad right now. So he's a quarterback at West Point. Okay. Uh, was he super strict? Was it a super strict situation or no? Oh yeah, you know, just calm, cool, you know, hippie. <laughs> no, very, yeah, very, very strict. Uh, you know, some folks listen to, you know, the, the Rolling Stones. We listen to Rush Limbaugh. Uh, so yeah, it was, uh, yeah, if fun, strict. Uh, his father was in the military. Oh uh, boy. Yeah, so big, big army family. Uh, okay. And uh, uh, yeah, yeah, a lot of yes sir, yes sir, no ma'am, uh, growing up. Was there pressure? Was there pressure for you to go to West Point or go into the service when you got out of school? So I made it easy. Uh, I got in a lot of trouble as a youth. Okay. Uh, you know, a uh, lot of a uh, lot of cutting up, as as my dad liked to say. So I, I probably made that decision rather easily. Oh, uh, okay. But, but no, uh, the uh, no, I had a I had a short list. Uh, you know, UVA, Stanford, BC, Florida, Miami. I, I had my short list at a very young age, and. Uh, West Point, Citadel, uh, Naval Academy weren't, weren't, weren't on the short list. Okay, okay. By the way, did you get into Stanford and you passed on that and went to Boston College? Just curious. Uh, so so uh, yeah, I had a unique, a bit of a unique situation where I had a lot of uh, full ride offers for, for, all, for all, all sports, football, basketball, baseball that I played. Wow. Uh, and so. Uh, nice. Uh, you know, I, I like to say when people, people uh, 
concerned about getting into college. I said, just be a good athlete. <laughs> you must be a big guy. I'm going to guess what, what's your, what's your side? What are you? Six, three, six, four. What are you? Uh, I, I, I wish, uh, uh, six foot, little, little under six, one. Uh, I think the oh. NFL, I think the NFL draft had me at like six and six and three quarters of an inch. Okay. All right. So was, did you, did you get drafted by the way, out of Boston college for football? Uh, I went to camp with the Bengals. Okay. Uh, and then didn't end up getting signed for the year. Um, was that was that scary as hell? Can you just tell us? Was that or was that super exciting? No, I think it's uh, uh, I think it, at each stage, uh, folks uh, get bigger and faster. Uh, I think that that, that you know at, at, in college, obviously in the ACC, like we had the big. Um, yeah. I think the, the difference when you move to the NFL is you just pick up you know that extra that extra step that extra two tenths of a second in the forty. Um, <laughs> When you when you got to camp at the NFL, were you just like, oh shit, okay, this is a whole other level? <laughs> uh, yeah, I was, I was I was fortunate at BC. We were uh, we were top twenty five all four years. My senior year, we got down to number two in the country. Uh, Matthias nice. Kuz, the first round draft pick. Uh, Chris Knee, uh, first round. Matt Ryan, nice. first round. Nice. Um, uh, Mark Herzlick, I played with. Will Blackman, I played. I and mean, we had we had probably twelve guys, fourteen guys in the NFL. Nice. And so, uh, the nice thing was, is uh, yeah, BC equipped me very, very, very well for uh, uh, you know, high, high, high tier one athletics. Was there any? Did you know at the time that you were going to be an entrepreneur, or did you have a plan? I mean, I know you majored in finance, but were you? Did you have any idea what you were going to be doing for a living at this at this point, or no? Uh, no, I don't think so. I mean, I think uh, uh, the first. Uh, the first kind of non-sports related work I had, uh, I was playing baseball up in, in the Cape Cod League. Okay. Um, you know, it's the top 200 players in the country. Um, you know, just just really high-level elite baseball. Uh, and in the mornings, I worked at Merrill Lynch. Uh, they have a high net worth asset manager office uh, there in Hyannis. And uh, that was kind of like my first foray into uh, uh, work where I'd work from like eight to three, put my uniform okay. on and, uh, in the car and, you know, go play baseball at night. Okay. Um, uh, but I think, yeah, I think as a kid, you know, my, my father, father worked the federal reserve. My mom was a high school teacher. Um, so, I mean, I think it was, uh, uh, uh more around, uh, you know, kind of a, self-achievement right i think learning to to win on your own learning to like put in hard work and uh you know hopefully at the end of the hard work comes uh, championships or you know nick saban talks about the process uh and so i think i think i learned as a, as a child uh the ability to 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 earn things on my own uh mm -hmm. i think the ability to to build and make and 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 do things on your own, which I think are a lot of uh, entrepreneurial traits. You know, isn't there isn't there a difference with with candidates, employees that you hire, or maybe candidates that you interview? Anytime you're talking to somebody that was a Division One athlete in college, that usually there's something extra special about those folks, right? They're just super competitive, super driven, coachable, team oriented. I don't. Do you do you find that when you're talking to people? Um, yeah, you don't find a lot of them in, in high technology. I right. think uh, a, a lot of them uh, that, that I've run across are maybe like one double A guys or guys that were at Ivy Leagues that are on the venture capital side. Gotcha. I think gotcha. that's where a lot of guys, you, you, I saw a lot more, uh, I think, in, you know, the kind of sales and trainee, capital markets, investment banking mm -hmm. uh, uh, world. Um, 
You don't see you don't see a lot of them in the high technology that's space. A, that's a good point. You are unique in that respect. So, okay. So then let's talk about your early career. I think you worked for IBM for a little bit as a, as a consultant, but talk to us. How how did you know where did the entrepreneurial thing come from? Talk to us about the point where you said, "Hey, I'm going to do something on my own." I walk us into that. Yeah. So so I think that. Uh, Big companies are are for some people, uh, you know. Certainly, certainly not for others. I think uh, I think when looking at uh, you know who you look up to and what you want to achieve uh, in in life, um, I think I, I looked at some of the the higher ups, you know, of what a kind of 15, 20 year uh, career progression would look like, mm-hmm. and, and I kind of came to a self realization that 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 wasn't that just wasn't me. Yeah, you're like I don't um, wanna, I don't want to do that. I don't want to yeah, do that. And so. <laughs> So, you know, I think as, as a lot of, uh, a lot of life is right. I think you, you look at what you see at that point in time in your life. And mm-hmm. I think having played sports all my life, having not gone the traditional, you know, get, you know, 18 years old, uh, you know, get an internship, uh, maybe go study abroad, um, you know, kind of go through the traditional, you know, 18 to 22 year old path, like, since I didn't go on that path, right? I mean, we had summer school every year or I was playing sports. Yeah. Um, I started kind of looking at what a lot of other friends had done that had, you know, were really kind of on their stride in their, in their, in their mid twenties. Okay. And that led me with a couple other partners to start to look at uh, internships abroad, study abroad programs. And, uh, you know, I started kind of be traveling more uh, and becoming a bit disillusioned with uh, a large, large company consulting life. Okay. Um, and as we started to, to kind of dive into um, some of these programs, we started to see like they were fairly dated. Most of them were like run as educational programs. And yeah, we basically decided, you know, could we build the, you know, future of study abroad or the future of internships abroad? Ah. Um, that actually was uh, targeted toward 18 to you know 24 year olds, right? It wasn't built by educators, um, you know. It wasn't, you know, just kind of like your boring notion of a of a, of a study abroad program. Okay. Uh, and so that was that was what what me and a couple of partners decided to do in starting uh, a, a company called EI Broad um, that we started in I think 2010, maybe early 2011. Um, that was your first, and you guys had the whole thing. I mean, you set up the entity. It was a real company. You had an operating agreement. The whole thing. Yep, everything. We had uh, we we had our, our first program, uh, our first two programs in London and Barcelona. So we had full class of students. We had housing. Wow. We wow. Platform. Uh, we did all the matching. We handled all the visas. Um, yeah, I mean, we we had uh, uh, you know a couple million dollars in revenue uh, in terms of uh, overall program. How about and, that? And, and really what, uh, which is exciting, right? I think I, you know, I got to spend a bunch of time in Europe. Uh, and, uh, you know, we, I think the end goal there was, you know, if we could create this repeatable, sustainable uh, pipeline of, you know, high caliber students, we could have an amazing network of jobs. You I know, see. one is kind of a pipeline. Uh, and then two, uh, it was really to be a real estate play where if we could own the assets, right, where we are housing all of these students, um, you can basically create a really nice 
cash flow. I see. Folks are coming through for like two or three or six month programs. Okay. Um, and great. Uh, great, great idea. I mean, great idea. Sounds like it was going great. By the way, did you bootstrap the whole thing? How did you, how'd you, how'd you fund it? Yeah. So we, we had a, we had a friend who had had a tremendous experience uh, in one of his programs in Madrid and that had been a major uh, 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 milestone or major opportunity that actually a- allowed him to get the job that he had at Goldman Sachs. And so he remembers them being really, um, uh, really excited and, 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 and really valuing the opportunity he had. Okay. And so he was like, if we could replicate this many times over, uh, you know, this could be a really valuable uh, opportunity. And so he, he provided us some of our initial funding. And then, you know, the nice part about that business is we were starting to generate revenue from basically immediately. Wow, that that that's great. Okay, so you had two. It was you and a co-founder, and then the and the guy that pl- gave you the seed money. Yeah, we had four four partners. Oh, okay, um, that that started. Yep, and oh, uh, okay, it, it was uh, we you know we had one a program in London, a program in Barcelona, and then we added Paris and New York. So uh, all right, so and this sounds like a great company. What happened? Walk us to the end of that, and why you you know stopped doing that and eventually started Secure. Yeah, so so uh, uh, our office here in New York, uh, we ended up sharing an office uh, with a through a mutual friend. We were looking for a, a second company to move in the office, and through a mutual friend, uh, I ended up meeting my co-founder of Secure. Okay, um, and in his company, um, you know, fortuitously through what we were doing, I had started to develop a bunch of uh, a, a, a pretty good network here in New York. And we're starting to do some like advisor work, helping make a bunch of introductions to companies that could use his marketing technology uh, that he had developed with with his last company. And we started looking into the open authentication spec. So if you remember back in like 2011, 2012, there's probably all these apps across the internet that you were providing your Facebook or your LinkedIn or your Twitter or your Google Plus to log into. Mm-hmm. And back then, everything uh, related to this type of information was being used for marketing analytics. Mm, right. But what we realized, what was actually happening, though, is you were asserting your identity to these institutions. Mm. So what we started to think about was what happens in a world, right? This was iOS 2 or iOS 3, really early days of, 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 of uh, the iPhone. Mm. What if there's a world where there's a token that Johnny uses across the internet to assert his identity or, or assert whatever data he wants, right? Similar to OAuth, but as opposed to being just a Facebook token or just a LinkedIn token, mm. that token gave you access to your entire identity. With like, a, like an electronic passport? It, exactly. I, I have a notebook from that summer where you know, I basically drew out, think about it. You remember eBay's like power sellers, right? And, and you would trust someone on eBay because right. they had a bunch of other, right. you know, com- I mean, it's like Amazon's comment, right? Like Amazon comments are worth a fortune now, yes. right? You have really high quality reviews. They're worth, it's IP basically, right? Mm-hmm. And so our view was there's all these new facets of, of Johnny that's being created across the internet. 
And as we started to kind of interview people, like we started spending more and more, more time on, on, on this, uh, uh, kind of all these new identities that are being created on the internet. Um, what if we could create this graph of all versions of, of Rider, and as opposed to using these kind of uh, uh, rules-based systems, we could apply all these new types of analytics. Ah, and, uh, and, uh, okay. And so we started to talk to friends at large issuers, large banks, large remittance companies, like friends of friends, right? Really just being like, hey, you know, Rivka, can you help us set up this meeting with this person? 30 minutes, what are you guys doing with online data? What are you guys doing you know, with graph analytics? You know, what do you guys think about combining all of these new types of identity data with what you guys are having today uh, in terms of like traditional header data, credit data? And they're like, that sounds awesome. No one's doing it. None of our current vendors are even talking about any of this wow. web-based information. Wow. Like you guys should go do this. So you, so you guys are now you and your co-founder now, the co-founder you have now with SoCure, you're shaking the bushes basically to see if you got something here. In the, yeah. in, the, in the meantime, do you have your partners in your other business and the other company was, um, was that EI in depth? Yeah, EI Broad. EI yeah. company was EI Broad, his company was Hopscotch. And what, how, the other companies, what were you doing? Was that still, was that funding you while you're kind of shaking the bushes over here? I'm just curious how you, how you did that. Yes. Uh, you know, similar to playing two sports in college, <laughs> you, just, you just, you know, you just get it done. Um, you know, I, I think, I think that there's a, there's a lot of nights and weekends. I think there's a lot of time you spend uh, uh, reading, learning. We were spending this time doing research. Okay. Um, uh, we just, we felt like, Again, if you if you remember kind of like the explosion of all of the this kind of you had about.me, you had Crunchbase, you had AngelList, right? You had all these like Foursquare, right? You had all these kind of new versions of you that were beginning to propagate on the internet mm -hmm. where we were like, this is the largest data set that's ever been created. Mm. Right? Like think 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 about it. think about Facebook scale. There is no other database prior to that, that was bigger than Facebook's database. Mm. Um, right. right? So right. when you think about TAMs, right, when you think about that, you know, the, the, the size and scope of the internet, um, you know, you're the largest database that have been created, mm -hmm. all of these financial services, you had Venmo was just starting to catch steam. Some mm. friends of mine from college had started WePay. And so WePay was allowing you to onboard with Facebook and LinkedIn. Yep. Kickstarter was allowing you to onboard with Facebook. And we're like, holy crap, like the internet one day is going to allow like these identities to be what we use across the internet. That's right. Yeah. And, no, and when you guys are coming up with this and you're whiteboarding this whole thing and interviewing people, nobody else is doing this. There's no competition at the time. No, at, at, at the, at the time, uh, the social networks themselves weren't doing this. Right. Um, okay. Traditionally identity verification and fraud prediction has been done by the credit bureaus. I right, see. and they're using header data. Um, you know, some other providers, big public records. Think about like the 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 version of Yellow Pages, right? But that's you know, I basic identity information. There's all wow. this wow. new information. Think about it. Back in the day, you had where I went to school, where I grew up, all of my pictures, all of my friends. Right? There's there's this kind of massive amount of information um, that we felt was. Uh, as you guys, as you guys are whiteboarding this, can I ask your your co-founder was a marketing guy originally? Is that accurate or no? 
Uh, no, no, he 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 was a, a software architect. Oh, he uh, was. Oh, I was just about to say, was a, was a marketing company. It was a okay, but he was a, a software guy. Okay, he so he. All right, I was just about to say. You, so neither one of the co-founders were developers or tech guys, but actually he had that background. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. And would you say your functional strength was sales and ops, or or finance, or all three? What what was how how did you partner with functions like that? Yeah, I think I think part product, uh, uh, a big part of sales and BD. Um, okay. I think uh, I think and my my view of sales it's uh, uh you know if i can solve a problem that delivers a 8 to 10x return you'll pay me for that <laughs> you got that right you got that right sorry so so you guys formed this you decide hey we're we're, we're starting a company boom and did yep. you did you bootstrap it with cash from your 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 own companies or did you immediately go out and raise cash or how much do you want to share how much can you share with me on the podcast yeah so so i think uh you know we were we were we were fortunate that uh, folks were excited about what we were doing. Um, I think that um, consumer-based applications were starting to like really kind of pick up speed. Um, and I think that at that point in time, there was a lot of interest in enterprise software. Okay. Um, and uh, we were we were fortunate to to get some some early friends, family, some like early stage venture funds. To, okay. uh, to to put money in uh, fairly did you, early. Did you have to face a lot of no's before you got the first, that first set of seed cash or did it just come pretty easy? I always wonder if, if anyone's answer to that question is yes. <laughs> it but, never is. Uh, no, no, look, I, I, I think, uh, I think, yeah, I think I've heard no's a lot, yes. <laughs> well, well practiced, well practiced. Uh, okay. But you have been fought. You have you, have you closed the series? A? I think you have, I think you have, you've been to a couple of, yeah, so we've yeah. raised, we've raised a, a little over 60 million now. Yeah. I saw that. I did see that. Um, that's, I think that's right on your LinkedIn profile for the company or somewhere. I mean, I think it's out there. Um, congratulations, by the way, that's no small thing. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, no, I think, uh, you know, yeah, we've been fortunate to have a, a great group of investors that have been supportive and, um, uh, yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we're pedal the metal growing. Congratulations. And you've been in business now for almost eight years. Yeah. A little over seven. Yeah. A little over seven years. Wow. That's, um, and, and how are you? So today, if, if we were clipping something from this podcast interview and you wanted to just give a secure overview, give us the, give us the, for the listeners, give it to us, the secure overview. Yeah, absolutely. So secure helps enterprises of all sizes, uh, verify consumers that are presenting their identity uh, at day zero uh, to open new accounts. Okay. To do that, we've built a, a predictive analytics platform that uses various forms of machine learning uh, and artificial intelligence uh, in looking at all dimensions of an identity, email data, phone data, device data, data birth, SSN, um, from a variety of header, utility, telco, public records, data sources, um, to very, very accurately verify and provide good customer experiences to good consumers while also incredibly accurately predicting those that are stealing identities or pretending to be the person uh, that they're not. And are you, are you protected because you have some super secret sauce that's patented? Like how, do you, how do you protect yourself from the competition and how do you protect yourself from Google just doing all this? Yeah, so, so I think uh, there's, a, there's a couple of moats that I think we've, we've, we've built ourselves. I like that. I like that. Yeah, the, 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 the first I think is performance, right? I think that um, it, on the identity fraud side, no one's beaten us head to head. Okay. Uh, 
on the, the KYC coverage in terms of just the ability to verify good consumers, all age, all demographics, new to country, emerging identities. Um, no, no, no one's beaten us in terms of, of match rates. So I think the first piece is, you know, whether you're a large enterprise, the largest, you know, banks or, or HR or telco companies, um, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're deploying a lot of money and have massive volume and, you know, they're looking for the best performance possible. Um, you know, whether it be the, the fastest moving fintechs, um, you know, the most kind of technically analytically savvy, uh, again, they're trying to make the best decision possible, uh, based off performance. So the first piece is, uh, you know, we're, we're winning, you know, large and small because of performance, Good. uh, the second piece is the, the, the beautiful element of, of, uh, of machine learning. Uh, is that we are very rapidly getting fast, uh, getting ah. smarter and better. And so because we require performance feedback, we are uh, training and retraining uh, each week, each month, uh, which means that, you know, once you're better, you're not actually competing against anyone else, you're competing against yourself. And so uh, at this point in time, uh, the the performance feedback and the feedback loop that we receive in both solving for false positives and false negatives is uh, is really putting us head and shoulders above uh, our competition. And so I think the second part is uh, in the machine learning elements of what we built. I think the third is in automation. Um, uh, I think from the beginning, uh, we have thought about any tasks that are repeatable. If we can build an automated function to automate them, uh, well, then you have a, you know, 150, 200 person team that actually acts like they're three or four or five times bigger. And okay. when, you're, when you're a scrappy startup, um, you know, and, 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 uh, and uh, team members are, are at a premium, uh, automation becomes incredibly valuable in terms of uh, being able to scale uh, very rapidly. How, how many employees now? I think... I think yeah, one, one, 130, 135, 140. Okay, can, okay. Yeah. Are you, can you share what you're doing in revenue or is that too private uh, info for now? Uh, yeah, we'll keep that. We'll keep okay. that for now. <laughs> until, until, we, uh, until we file that S1. Uh, no uh, problem, no problem. How could, why didn't you take the CEO title? How did you decide to give your, your co-founder, is he the CEO? Uh, my co-founder is no longer with the company. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, all right. Oh man, that's a juicy topic. We could go down that path. <laughs> how do how, tell me about the decision where a co-founder says you know what i started this thing i got it going but it's time for me to bring in a different ceo can you just share that with me share, share how that happened for you yeah so i think it's uh it's it's now i'll speak specifically to i think to our ceo because he, he's been uh incredibly strong in a, in a in a number of verticals uh uh one uh i think that uh, one of my biggest strengths has been uh, on kind of product, commercial, go-to-market, uh, which certainly a, a big part of growing the company. Mm -hmm. uh, so I knew that that was a strength. I knew that was a place where I could deliver the highest amount of, of return. Um, two, I think that uh, as we were scaling, uh, you know, an organization where we're looking at doubling again this year, right? I mean, I think our headcount this year is going to be 250, 260. Um, you know, I think there's a, a huge amount of internal organizational managerial structure uh, that needs to come into place. And a lot of that, uh, you know, quite frankly, isn't that sexy, um, right? There, there are organizational decisions, there's day-to-day -day management, there's HR decisions. Um, and then there's, you know, 
finding complementary skill sets. Um, you know, I've been very fortunate where where Tom is, uh, I think, where his 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 fourth company has been the CEO of. Uh, he's an incredibly brilliant, you know, marketer, brander, uh, which are things that I don't spend a lot of time on. Okay. Um, and so, you know, I think when you look at partners uh, uh, operationally or life partners, right? You want to find people that uh, have a complementary skill set. Uh, and so, you know, I think as we were looking at, um, you know, the board wanting to make, uh, uh, you know, a particular change, um, I think we were looking at where there were uh, needs within our organization specifically um, that we felt, uh, you know, Tom was going to be a, a kind of tremendous fit for in terms of, you know, what we were going to need to scale over the next couple of years. You know, I really I compliment the fact that, you know, you, you set your, you were able to set your ego aside, which by the way, a lot of co-founders can't do, which is why their company stays small. You know, you were able at some point to say, you know what, first of all, I'm going to take on all this cash, which eventually equals board members and equity changes and things like that. And then, you know, you did that and now you're dealing with the board, which you didn't have to do early on. And now, and then you were able to say, you know what, I'm going to have somebody else be the CEO. I mean, all of that is, is a great tip for the listeners of the Rider Flex podcast, because I think there's a lot of small entrepreneurial startup type guys out there that listen to our show. And because they were a co-founder, they're walking around with these giant egos and they think they, they know everything and they don't want to put anybody else in charge and they stay small. I mean, eventually, eventually, if you want to scale, if you want to grow, you, you have got to, like you said, surround yourselves with, with people that can complement your skill set and let go just a little bit or, you know, you're not going to go anywhere. So my compliments to you to be able to do that, which I know, I'm guessing, being an athlete, you know, that was, you know, that's not always easy to do. <laughs> Cause you yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I think, I, I think, uh, yeah, I think as you scale, right, the, the goal is to, uh, to hire more managers and hire more leaders uh, that have, you know, incredibly complementary skill sets. Yes. Um, right. If, you know, if we look at our leadership team right now, we have folks from, you know, vastly different backgrounds that are internally at Secure solving vastly different problems mm -hmm. for us, all of which combined, you know, are what are making us a, a you know, force in the market. That's good for you. Let me ask you this. I want to, I want to ask you a couple of more questions here on, on people. So at RiderFlex, what we do for a living is recruiting and staffing. And so we, inter we interview people every day, all day, and we're, all, we're always placing talent in, in companies. For you guys, growing as fast as you are, when you interview somebody, I'm just curious, tell me what you look for when you're dissecting a candidate and you got them in a room and you're talking to them. What is Johnny looking for to say, this person is a match for our team? What, what does it for you? Yeah, absolutely. So, so again, it depends on which role we're hiring for, but I think there's, there's, a, there's a couple of underlying core, core uh, pillars, if you will, of, of, of what I look for and okay. are generally interviewing for. I think one uh, is a, uh, a kind of perpetual uh, thirst for new information. Mm. Um, so one of the things I always ask people is, you know, what's the most recent book you read? Uh, walk me through if you were to learn uh, and have to teach yourself a new topic, any topic, Tell me how you would go about teaching Ooh, that, yourself that new thing. That's a good one. Um, you know, I, my friends uh, laugh at me all the time because uh, they'll be like, where did you learn that? Like, YouTube. Like, <laughs> literally anything you want to learn in the oh, world. It's there. It's on YouTube. Somewhere. 
You just have to find it. Right. <laughs> and so I think th this is, uh, uh, you know, I think really, really, really important. Um, you know, we, we obviously have a, a good size office in, in, in India, uh, very large cricket culture. Um, mm. right. And so we're going out to play cricket and, you know, guys on my team are like, you ever played before? And I'm like, no, but I'll figure it out. <laughs> Meanwhile, I spent like two and a half hours that day watching all these professional cricketers, like, like basically explain the, the like minute mechanics That's awesome. of how to hit. Right. And so I think that approach when you're in a unsolved space, right. I mean, mm. identity verification on the internet is an unsolved uh -huh. rapidly evolving problem. I so like we that. need people that are thinkers, mm. right. Um, our clients, super complex, very large organizations, um, right? Lots of moving pieces. We need problem solvers. So we need people who have a, a, a want uh, and an ability um, to be able to learn new things, right? And so I think that that's a first piece. The second is what we're doing is very deeply technical and analytical. So I think having people uh, have some type of comfort, familiarity um, with math, with statistics, with numbers, um, like we live and breathe, you know, for, for those of us, uh, uh, you know, with clients, um, with in numbers. Uh, I think the third is, uh, you know, a, a comfort with this space and the space can be um, fairly broad, right? It could be in payments, it could be fraud, it could be identity, it could be in financial services, um, right? So, so some familiarity with, with, kind of our, our general ecosystem uh, and market. Um, and then I think a, a fourth piece is uh, like folks that have a, a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. So they could be, ah. could be type A, they could be, um, uh, uh, you know, folks that just, I don't want to say ego because I think there's negative connotations. No, but chip, but, no, I, no, I get, I get but, it. Like, like they were drafted. Like winners, right? Gotcha. Like folks that gotcha. can figure out how gotcha. to win. There's like a, I think, I don't know if there's an achievement gene. If there is, they should, uh, you know, probably uh, uh, figure out a way to recreate it. But I think there's just, there's people that can figure out how to like persevere through problems and, and like assume that they're going to win. Love it. Um, and, and, and I think trying to figure out a, a good way to suss that out where, where people have like had a problem and achieved, where people had previously had successes in their life. Um, I think these are, these are four pillars that, that I try to, uh, you know, not directly uh, ask about, but try to through through a series of questions uh, suss out how they fit in. I love it. I love it, Johnny. You can tell you're super passionate about making sure you get the right person in the building on the team, and you've spent a lot of time on that. You can just tell by how passionate you were when you dove into all of that. I think that's super critical. You know, getting the right right people on the team uh, is so important. And then a couple of just a couple more. I know we're almost out of time for. You know, you, you were brave enough way early in your career to start something. I mean, you just went overseas. You started a company. You just went for it, you know. <laughs> Can you give some advice to people out there that have an idea? Maybe they were out shaking the bushes with a potential co-founder, but they just haven't taken the leap yet, and they're kind of nervous or they're scared because they don't have much money or whatever. But what advice would you give to those people that just haven't, taken the leap yet what would you tell them sure there was a lot of naivety in me as a young young 23 year old uh, <laughs> but no I, I think I think that um, 
you know, I think one of, one of the, 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 the biggest things that I've learned is uh, to try to go after a, uh, a large market, right? Okay. Really trying to find a big problem uh, because, uh, you know, you, you, you can be wrong a lot of ways, but if you're chasing a big enough market, um, uh, there, there's, a, there's, a, there's a lot of room to be wrong. Mm. Um, Good. I, I, th- I think, too, um, you know, some, some folks are, are, um, are going to be happier in, in large organizations, right? I think that this is not for everyone. Uh, there is a, there's a, 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 you know, a certain type of, of person that has the ability to just put their head down and, you know, and run through a wall. Which, which is entrepreneurship, right? It is, it is uh, hearing no, I, I, I mean, when we raised our Series A, I think our list of no's was like probably over 300. Wow. Um, right, and so you, you just, you have to have a, a, a real, uh, I think, passion for uh, the, what you're trying to achieve, right? What you're trying to solve. I think making sure the, 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 the space that you're going after is large enough. Um, and then I think, you know, making sure that this is something that, that you want to dedicate, um, you know, a, a lot of time to, right. I think in the late nineties, you know, IPOs were four years, four and a half years. Now you're looking at 10, 11 years, um, you know, to an IPO. So I think, you know, really being really certain that, you know, this is what you want to spend the next you know 10 years of your life. Um, and, and then, you know, making sure you surround yourself with a, a good network of people, you know, that are going to be supportive, uh, you know, that are going to challenge some of your assumptions, um, uh, but it's, I'm guessing, I'm guessing you were challenged early on many times. <laughs> yeah, no. And, and, and still, and still are today. Right. I mean, I think this, this goes back to the, 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 the constantly learning, uh, uh, piece where, you know, startups are, are, uh, uh, uh rapid iterations of failures, learning from your mistakes <laughs> achieve, right. Failures, learn from your mistakes achieve. Uh, and there's a, there's a really good circular loop in, in Ray Dalio's book principles, where he talks about like basically the iterations and cycles of uh, of improvement, right? And uh, and and learning from your mistakes, getting feedback, and 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 you know, kind of moving to the the next tranche of success. I'm so glad you mentioned that because I think a lot of people that haven't tried something like this, they see a company, they look up SoCure online, they see your website, they look you up, and they go and they think to themselves, oh. He just did this and then he started the company and everything's fine and look at this big company and it was just like, oh, it was just, he just decided to do this and it just all went super smooth and there was no hurdles or pain points. It's like. <laughs> Very little about this is in the air. Yes. There are, uh, uh, you know, lot, lots of, lots of scars. I think, yeah. uh, you know, you, you almost run out of money a couple of times. You, um, mm-hmm. you know, they, they say they say never pivot and like change your whole idea right like as long as it's still on like the, the same <laughs> idea track although uh, I think slack uh, you know rewrote that rule um, but uh, you know I think the biggest thing you know for whatever the next company is is early on like iterate very 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 fast ah, okay and you get feedback okay, um, so okay. I think um, you know I think really listening to your customers, um, right? They talk about the voice of the customer. I think really listening to uh, the feedback you receive, iterated on very quickly. I think uh, uh, dropping the ego and thinking, uh, you know, you're, you're 100% correct, um, uh, at least in, in enterprise software, right? I think 
uh, unless you have a buyer, eventually you're going to run out of money. Would, would, you, would you tell that 21-year-old coming out of college that went to the NFL camp, if you could call that guy right now and give him some advice based on what you've been through, what would you tell him? It's going to be a fun ride. Uh, <laughs> try uh, to have more fun try to have more fun along the way maybe yeah no 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 look i think that i think there's a, i think there's a tremendous amount of sacrifices that come with with success uh i think uh yeah would you tell him would you say hey, yeah, do this? yeah i'd say i'd say uh, you know look it's got to be really 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 hard uh but i think anything in life that that's worth doing uh you know it's got to be hard um i think i'll tell him uh read a lot uh, I think find a vastly different uh, and diverse set of people um, that will challenge those thoughts. Surround yourself with good, uh, uh, you know, very very different people from all walks of life, all all all, uh, all backgrounds. Uh, I think that will be uh, tremendously valuable to you as you uh, you know well, now reach your mid thirties. Um, and and I think don't don't be afraid uh, of doing something that people think is is crazy. People think is different. Uh, I live in New York City. Most of my friends either work in private equity or hedge funds. Um, I, I, you know, I, I, I think some of them know what I do now. Uh, <laughs> but, but I think you know, don't don't be afraid to uh, don't be afraid to be different um, and uh, you know do something you think is uh, is the right thing to do. Last question. That was good stuff right there. By the way, last question. If you had to put your core purpose in life into a sentence or two, and you just having a reflective moment you're having a glass of wine or glass of bourbon or whatever it is you 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 have when you relax how would you describe johnny's core purpose in life yeah so i think one of the things that i think about a lot is uh am i like proud of the work that i'm achieving Mm. Um, I think, you know, I think there's a lot of things people can put their energy into. Um, and you know, am, am I, I think prideful, am I, am I happy? Am I proud, uh, you know, for, for my future kids, for my parents, for my grandparents? Um, you know, I think, am I putting my energy into something that, uh, you know, I can be really prideful, uh, or proud about my work. And I think that the work that we're doing here at Secure, uh, is, uh, one, I think it's transforming uh, the way that people are able to interact with consumer applications on the internet. Um, I think that identity fraud is a huge problem uh, on the internet, uh, and I think it's I think it's also like fun and exciting to go after like a a huge you know a huge global market and uh, uh, you know and be able to to tell my friends and family um, you know all the consumer applications they use. Hey, so cares in in the back. <laughs> Making sure you, you have a good experience. So um, yeah, I think I, I think you know with SoCure, hopefully, and you know my next future ventures, um, you know I think I think really being uh, uh, happy and proud of, uh, of the work that I'm doing is super important. Johnny, thank you, sir. Really uh, awesome interview. Really appreciate your time. Um, good stuff, and congratulations on everything you guys have done at SoCure. Really, congrats. It's a major major accomplishment, and I know I know you've worked your ass off to get there. So. I appreciate you being on the Rider Flex podcast. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. The Rider Flex podcast features entrepreneurs, business executives, and the stories behind how they got there, as well as daily tips on career advice and job interviews. 
Our show can be heard just about anywhere these days, but you can visit riderflex.com and click on the podcast page to hear all the previous episodes and learn more about the recruiting and consulting services we provide. Contact us at the email address info at riderflex.com or 888-964-5876. Thanks so much for listening. And if you enjoy our show, please be sure to subscribe to our channel and like the episodes.